Section 1 of The National Geographic Magazine, Volume 9, March 1898. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in June 2020. Dwellings of the Saga Time in Iceland, Greenland, and Vineland by Cornelia Horsford. The saga time began with the colonization of Iceland in 875 and lasted for about 150 years. During this time, the oft-repeated accounts of the discovery, colonization, and early history of Iceland, as well as that of all Scandinavia, acquired the form of sagas or narrations. Ari Torgilson, the historian, who was born in Iceland in 1067 and died in 1148, was the first to write down these events in chronological order. In each of the four books attributed to this writer, Greenland and Vineland are briefly mentioned. Other sagas relate the adventures, tragedies, and family histories of the colonists, and among these are the sagas which tell about Greenland and Vineland. We know that Scandinavia has been a rich field for collecting relics of the stone, bronze, and early iron ages, but no ruin of a dwelling dating from the saga time has yet been identified in Denmark, Sweden, or Norway. This may be due to the lack of durability in the way of building the houses, and to the custom of using over and over again in new buildings all the suitable material from the old walls. In 1888, a young Icelander named Valtir Gudmundsson, who was studying for the degree of Doctor of Philosophy at the University of Copenhagen, chose for the subject of his thesis private dwellings in Iceland in the saga time. In preparing for this, he read every saga of his native literature, comparing each description, sentence, and word relating to his subject, until in imagination he had reconstructed every form of dwelling and outhouse of the saga days. These buildings differed considerably from the design given by Finsen in his edition of Gundlaug's Saga, printed in 1775, which was the accepted model until the publication of Dr. Gudmundsson's work. In 1894, Lieutenant Daniel Brunn of the Danish Navy was sent by the Danish government to make extended researches among the Norse ruins in Greenland. These researches went far toward confirming the results of Dr. Gudmundsson's studies. It was therefore with much gratification that Dr. Gudmundsson, who was by that time professor of Old Norse literature and history at the University of Copenhagen, accepted my commission to direct archaeological researches for me among the ruined dwellings and other works of man in Iceland during the summer season of 1895. He took with him from Copenhagen another Icelander named Thorstein Erlingsson, and to him the greater part of the work is to be accredited, for Dr. Gudmundsson was in attendance at the Icelandic Parliament and could not be present in the field himself. Iceland The Icelandic Antiquarian Society has done some good work in the field. 
they have identified and roughly measured the ruins of many historical farms and of several hundred booths at some of the old open-air law courts called things one or two pagan temples have been dug out and carefully described and many burial mounds which also belonged to the pagan days the ancient dwellings were situated on sloping ground near rivers or fjords from the early days this has been believed to be the ruin of the house built by eric the red in the hawk river valley soon after his marriage with torhild and there his eldest son life was probably born eric lived in four different places in iceland before he finally settled in greenland the supposed ruins of his houses on Uxney and sundry can still be seen also but i do not know that any ruins have been identified at drangar the ruins of these dwellings when undisturbed are low grass-grown ridges and hollows often difficult to detect except when stones protrude through the turf a dwelling usually consisted of three apartments a hall or principal room in which there was always a fireplace a sitting-room for the women and a storeroom or pantry these apartments were like small houses each with a separate roof but attached to each other with passages through the thick walls nearby were usually one or more small outhouses these dwellings were built on the surface of the ground which was probably leveled when necessary the floor was of firmly beaten earth the walls were one and a half meters thick and from one to one and a half meters high the inner side was built of unhewn stones and the interstices were filled with earth the outer side was of alternate layers of turf and stones and the space between the two sides was filled in with earth kneaded hard when these walls fall the stones necessarily slip down on either side and the bottom row with the space between remains almost intact unless unnaturally disturbed often however the walls were built entirely of layers of turf or with only disconnected rows of stones at the base the drawing of the pagan temple at turli shows the manner of laying the inner and outer sides of a wall with the earth between the two a large stone of course extends farther back into this earth between than a small one does the inside measurement of a hall varied from three to seven meters in width and from ten to seventeen meters in length the plan is of the ruin of eric the red's house shown above from a photograph a long narrow fireplace usually extended through the middle of the room this was either paved or surrounded with stones standing on edge and was about three meters long and from sixty to eighty centimeters broad besides the long fire which served to warm and light the hall there was a small cooking fire made in the same way about one meter square and raised a few centimeters above the level of the floor other non-essential forms of fireplace i need not describe here a separate apartment was often formed by erecting a thin partition across a room as is shown in this plan by the dotted line pavements but more often thresholds made of one or more long stone slabs were sometimes in the doorways and also in the passages through the thick walls between the apartments the outhouse shown at the left was about thirteen meters from the door of the house 
on the steep mountain side. It was four meters square, built of turf only and partially underground. There was a large square platform of stones in one corner which had served for a fireplace. Narrow platforms of earth faced along the outer edge with upright stones, on which the inhabitants both sat and slept, extended along one or both sides of the hall. In the large halls these platforms were about twenty-three centimetres high and one three-quarter metres broad. Sometimes there was also a broader platform at one end of the hall. Samstadir is one of the farmsteads in the Thoris River Valley which was buried during an eruption of Mount Hecla in the 14th century. This valley is called the Pompeii of Iceland. The farm was probably abandoned about 1300. It shows the first change in the evolution toward thicker walls. With the exception of some spinning stones, which were found in the sitting room of a house not shown here, no relics were found during these researches. It is also an interesting fact that no runic inscription belonging to the saga time, or for two centuries later, has yet been found in Iceland. The evolution which has taken place in house-building since the saga time has been in the steady increase in the thickness of the walls until their breadth is nearly doubled, a slight increase in height, not admitting a second story under the roof, and the addition of many apartments, so that from a distance the many roofs of a farmstead looked almost like a little village. Greenland Greenland was discovered and colonized by Erik Thorvaldsson toward the end of the 10th century, and from that time two Norse colonies, called respectively the Eastern and the Western settlements, prospered for about 300 years. The ruins of these two settlements have been studied with more or less care by the Danish government. In the Eastern settlement, a 150 farms, with all their outbuildings, have been surveyed and measured. A few dwelling-houses have been thoroughly dug out and examined. As in Iceland, these farmsteads were situated on the shores of rivers and fjords. Although in the main they resemble those of Iceland, one is impressed at once with certain striking differences. Even the undisturbed ruins suggest narrower, straighter and stronger walls. The dwellings were usually long and narrow, consisting of from three to eight rooms, and were surrounded by numerous outhouses and stables for cattle, sheep, and goats. Close to the houses are found enormous midden heaps, often larger than the ruins of the houses themselves. The walls were narrower than the Icelandic walls, and although they were built of layers of turf and stone, or sometimes of turf on a foundation of stone, the middle space, filled in with earth, had almost disappeared, as may be seen in the sketch. The long platforms of stone along the walls, the pavements, thresholds and scattered fireplaces, recall similar constructions in Iceland. In 1261 Greenland became subject to the crown of Norway, and to this influence the Danes attribute certain differences between the customs of the Norsemen in Iceland and in Greenland, which I need not describe here. Perhaps the difference in architecture is due to the same cause. The ruin of the house found on the supposed side of Pratachlit, the abode of Eric the Red, 
looks as if it might have been remodelled several times since that fearless Norseman first settled in the land. Numerous relics have been found in these ruins, iron nails and knives, pieces of stone vessels, spinning stones, bone combs, and stone pendants bored with holes and incised with rune-like but illegible characters. These, like all the ruins in Greenland which have been thoroughly dug out, are attributed by the Danes to a period later than the saga time. Vineland the ruins found where one had every reason to hope to find traces of the houses built in Vineland by Leif Eriksson and his followers did not differ in their essential features from those of Iceland in the saga time. The situations were similar. The walls were laid in the same way and were of the same thickness, and the fireplaces were constructed as they were in the habit of constructing them at home. The walls of this house can be little more than suggested. They were probably built almost entirely of turf, and they looked as if they might have been intentionally destroyed. I show it for its fireplace. Three or four fireplaces were on the site, one of them being the familiar Indian clam bake, with its neatly paved, saucer-shaped hearth piled with ashes and unopened clam shells, for this temptingly prepared feast had never been eaten. One of these fireplaces, however, was very different from the others, and of the Icelandic type, with its surrounding uptight stones at the four corners and a mass of charcoal and stones inside. This house is one of those on the place pointed out in Cambridge by my father, Eben Norton Horsford, as the site of the group of houses built by the party of Torfin Kalsefni in Vineland. The second house I show for the construction of the walls and the little pavement, presumably at the door, which resembles that in the temple at Tuerli shown before. The outer side of the wall contained only one layer of stones, the inner, according to custom, containing more and larger stones, some of which had fallen in. The oblong platform of small stones occupied the place of and resembled a fireplace, but showed no trace of such use, unless in the dark sticky earth between and under the stones, which I have since been told may have been ashes absorbed in the soil. This house, with the other ruins near it, are about ten or more miles from the settlement at Cambridge, and so far from the river that it must be attributed to later visitors from the north than those told about in the Vineland sagas. No relics have been found at either of these sites which I attribute to the Northmen. I have, however, one stone implement which was found embedded in the yellow sand and seemed to have been lost before the advent of the Northmen and presumably belonged to the savages they found here. Probably the reader will contrast these different dwellings of the Northmen with those of the native tribes of North America, from the magnificent ruins of Copan to the long narrow houses of the Iroquois, and will detect the similarities and differences between these and the habitations of the Greenland Eskimo. The Spanish, Dutch, French and English explorers visited and might have built houses on these shores, but in Europe no houses of this type are found outside of Iceland, except in the Faroes, 
and although ruins of norse dwellings are probably awaiting detection in england scotland orkney and shetland they have not yet been brought to the notice of archaeologists the earliest examples of architecture on our shores as well as the present knowledge of the evolution of european architecture as far as i have been able to find out show that the walls of the inferior houses in post-columbian times were unlike those of iceland our oldest french house is the sillery manor house near quebec built by the jesuits in 1637 the walls of this house are built of stone and are three feet thick laid in mortar which is now nearly as hard as the stone itself i have been unable to find anything more primitive of french workmanship here i have found nothing in english work which is not familiar to you all although i have followed up several mistaken reports the dutch buildings show an equally advanced though different type of development and also the spanish i am glad to have an opportunity to express publicly my sincere thanks and deep indebtedness to the american archaeologists both here and in canada who have come most kindly to my assistance and taught me in the field the knowledge they had acquired by their own experience without which i could not have learned how to gather many facts a few of which i have here presented mr gerard folk seven weeks of field work in and near cambridge two weeks of field work in ohio pennsylvania west virginia and maryland eighteen ninety four five weeks in cambridge eighteen ninety six dr franz boas two days in and near cambridge eighteen ninety four mr david boyle curator of the canadian institute at toronto one week in and near cambridge one week in ontario canada eighteen ninety four one week in cambridge eighteen ninety six mr f w norris honorable editor of the viking club london one week in cornwall eighteen ninety five three weeks in scotland orkney and shetland eighteen ninety six two weeks in england eighteen ninety seven dr phil valtir goodmanson professor of old norse history and literature at the university of copenhagen direction of explorations in iceland for four months eighteen ninety five five weeks in and near cambridge eighteen ninety six mr thorstein erlingsson iceland four months in iceland eighteen ninety five Reverend Henry Otis Thayer, Maine Historical Society, two weeks among old English ruins in Maine, 1896. Sir James Lemoyne, past president of the Royal Society of Canada, direction of researches near Quebec, 1896. Mr. C. C. Willoughby, Peabody Museum, Cambridge, two days on Cape Cod, 1897. Mr. W. J. McGee, advice criticism and encouragement both in washington and cambridge for over four years end of section one